Well, thank you so much for making the time to chat because I know you're busy and flying all over the place. Uh, just literally ah. to value, so. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I'll just do a little intro because I know you from Bali um, and I asked you to chat to me uh, regard like me faster master stuff today because we basically had this dinner and you blew my mind and I was like holy shit how is this like 25 year old got her stuff so together it makes me feel it makes you feel like really under like you've not achieved very much in life when you talk to you and you're like okay I've really got to like reassess how I think about 90% of my life but um so you started um you started Moku which is your design agency when did you start that? Um, a few years ago, I guess it was named Moku like three years ago, yeah. but I've ha always had different design agencies maybe for the last like five years. Okay, cool. So you've been like doing the freelance thing for about five years. Um, and you've also, and that basically gives you total financial and physical freedom, right? So you're living in Bali, you're living, you're just in Canada, you're all over the place and doing whatever you want. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. How, tell us a little bit about how, um, how you got here today um, and what it took to cool. build yeah it's been a wild journey and it's kind of been like a I don't know I felt like especially in Bali everyone has these epic stories of like you know I was in this dead-end job and then I realized like my life could be way more epic if I moved to Bali and so I left everything and I just felt like mine was a lot like more subtle you know it was being in university realizing that that current system like all my friends who are way more talented than me were making much less money than me because I was freelancing and they were always waiting for a job and uh, waiting for an internship. And it made me feel like, okay, if I, if I went with that mentality, it would be, I'd be waiting for some kind of outside force to tell me that I was good enough to start working. Yeah. And maybe I should have waited because I wasn't very good, but, <laughs> but uh, that kind of, that was the first paradigm shift where I'm like, okay, everyone's doing this but I seem to be in a place with a bit more freedom, a bit more flexibility. Um, am I missing something? And so starting freelancing quite young in university, I'd be in class and my lectures, like just do working while my friends were actually learning. Um, and, and then slowly starting to build an agency in, in the way we're like uh, eventually hiring someone. And this is kind of the, the condensed version of it, but we can go into detail later, but you know, so like working and then realizing I wasn't actually that great of a designer. Maybe I should have paid attention to my lectures. Uh, and so then hiring people to, who were better than me. And that's kind of like, I think design is a really good practice in humility because you're always wrong. And so then hiring a designer as a designer is like extra humility because like you're not the best designer and you're probably not the best at what you do and so hiring out and realizing what that freedom could look like and how you know um i can pay people like american wages in countries where that was really hard to to, to actually get and help someone fund their life and so my my first employee has his first baby has his first uh, condo that he just bought recently he's telling me like it's a big part of it is because of the money that he's gotten worth working with me and he deserves every bit of it because he's amazing um and starting to travel because I was in Montreal and I had like a Groundhog Day moment where my friends texted me on a Friday night. They're like, are you coming to that bar? Like, and I was like, oh my gosh, I've gotten this text every day, you know, every Friday for the last like two years. And I'm going to get it every Friday for the next like five years. Like if I don't change, like everything's going to be the same. And, and kind of having that freak out moment and like, I need to go, I need to leave. And I really think the universe like provides in terms of that moment happened. And so shortly after I got the big 
biggest contract I've ever gotten where I felt financially secure enough to go traveling and, and do that. And then one thing led to another and I ended up here in Bali. Um, but I still kind of have a bit of, I, I like the idea of consistency, but I'm pretty actually inconsistent and I, I still travel quite a lot. Uh, even though I'm based here in Bali, I'm still everywhere. Yeah. Um, so that's the short version of, of kind of what's been going on. Yeah. And this, like, I think there's a load of really interesting stuff in there. If you unpack it, I think the idea of waiting for like most people waiting for life to like, you know, for people to give them opportunities rather than going out and seizing the opportunities is super interesting. You know, this idea of being like, Hey, you know, you, you hear the Tony Robbins origin story where he basically got kicked out of his NLP course. Cause he was like, I'm going to go practice NLP now. This is amazing. He goes into a restaurant and just starts talking to people and his instructors were like, you can't do that. You haven't finished the training, that kind of thing. And, and look at him now, right? He's like huge. And, and you kind of did the like design version of that where you were like, yeah, I haven't finished my design degree, but you know, there are so many designers out there who are incredibly talented who never did a design degree. And, and what separates them from the like, very like low like underpaid designers who are waiting for the right jobs is that they just got out there and did it right exactly i think it's like that not being afraid to fail and i really really have to say i had uh, have amazing parents you know so like I, I can say this because i come from a place of privilege where i have these parents who will support me through anything and they encourage me to explore and try new things and you know when I was in high school they're like don't get a job you know I don't think you you need to get a job you just need to focus on your education mm -hmm. and that allowed me time to explore and so I think even sometimes I think it's hard for people because they hear like from these talks and stuff they're like just go out and do it but they didn't come from a place where they have that kind of support and when you have no one in your life who who's doing that like my dad's an entrepreneur it's really hard to feel confident and to, to get the validation that you need from like because we're humans we do need some kind of outside thing to be like you're going to be okay you know um and so just to, i think that's just worth acknowledging that like you know i did come from a place of privilege which did, did make certain things a bit easier for me yeah i think i think privilege is you know everyone thinks oh it's financial privilege i know a lot of people who came from financial privilege but didn't have i think um what you had which is that kind of mental privilege right because one of the obstacles you could be the wealthiest person in the world or you could come from nothing one of the things we all struggle with is self-doubt is this fear of like i'm not good enough and what if it goes wrong and things like that and it sounds to me like what your parents gave you um in terms of like that hero uh example is that love where you're like okay well if it doesn't work out it's okay like it's fine to fail that kind of thing exactly and they're like failure is just if you don't get up again you know so that's really cool i really love that um did you have any other heroes who you sort of looked up to when you were starting this anyone you read or you were like i want my life to be like this or was it just well, I had a boyfriend at the time and he wasn't a hero, but he was pretty cool in terms of what he did because he worked online. He was the first person to introduce me to working online. And I just remember like, like making some food downstairs and, and he was upstairs on the computer and he comes down and he's like, oh, I made like $300 today. I was like, you made what? How? <laughs> oh, oops, sorry. I think about, but sorry, I was like, yeah, what do you mean you made $300? dollars today and he's like uh yeah because like I work online my clients are, are in the UK I make 75 dollars an hour which was like the craziest amount I've ever heard in my entire life at the time yeah. like 75 dollars like what do you even do with 75 dollars you know <laughs> it's like you know those days like I don't know like my bank account especially in university it was just always like below 200 it was like 130 it's like when I had 200 it was big it was like a big day you know when 75 dollars <laughs> is like doubling your net worth that's when you're like okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like what is this but you know actually when I um 
when when we met and he showed me working online, the first thing I did wasn't actually work online, was hire someone online um, and to see how it works and to see it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I think he was, I wouldn't call him a mentor, but he was definitely an influential person in the hundred percent. I think having that goal that you can aim towards, you know, someone who you can emulate. I always say that I think that the greatest thing that all religions give to people is that they create, like if you look at every religion, there's a person in it yeah. who people can aspire to be like, you know, it gives you that, you're like, what would, you know, what would Jesus do? What would Buddha do? What would all these, you know, you know, and then you go, okay. And then you can think, okay, what would I do? And in some ways having those, it's like the big brother, right? Who goes, oh, I want to be like my big brother. And that gives you the, the, the path to aim for. Exactly. Yeah. So I think he's really uh, influential. And another person was, um, so kind of an aside story is when I found that I was making more money than a lot of my, my, um, my peers, I actually started a company called Intern to help uh, connect freelancers in school with jobs online because they were so talented working at reduced rates compared to, you know, industry professionals. And there were, I saw all these people who were looking for people who can think like them, you know, all these startups, all these young companies who, who needed talent, couldn't afford senior designers, but needed innovative thinkers. And talk to a design student is such an innovative thinker. And the design training that we got, they like to call it Mindfulness 101. So it's like awareness training. It's understanding how things impact other things. And I think mm -hmm. having that person in a startup is just, is, is amazing. And so I wanted to connect them. And one of the people I found in that journey was my, my, um, my investor. And so I had an investor who invested in my company before anything even existed. And it was really, really cool because I learned a lot of things from him. Some were on, I learned through contrast, like the way that he lived his life. I actually realized I didn't, I didn't resonate with it. it didn't align with my values like his family was struggling in terms of like uh, the connections that that he was having um it was really like he was he had like it was just he wasn't glowing you know mm -hmm. uh, he was quite stressed and very money centric and i learned so much about business from him but it also made me realize that actually that's not the lifestyle i want mm -hmm. and i think a lot of us when we think about becoming entrepreneurs we think okay let's go the startup route you know let's build this company let's maybe raise money and that's all i knew you know i didn't know about like affiliate marketing or like you know service-based businesses uh super well so i'm like okay i want to be an entrepreneur it means i need a startup means i need investors and i went and i'm working with this man for like six months i i he gives me a chunk of money all the stuff and and i was like wow if this means i'm going to end up like him even though he's a beautiful beautiful human it's actually not what i want to do that's so interesting i think i always talk about the, the idea of the hero thing but i think actually having an anti-hero you know who you don't want to end up and, and if i reflect on my own story is similar when i was it sat in mckinsey and i was like well i don't want to be like any of the partners in this firm that's when you're like i need to move but i think your really interesting point is that they can be the same person right that you, you can have a hero who's like a hero in some respects but an anti-hero in others you know you're like i want the way this person thinks about the, you know, about business, but not the way that this person thinks about the world or vice versa. That's really cool. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that was a really influential thing. And then also, I just, I really feel like I've been gifted along the way. Um, because when I look back and here, if I'm writing my own story, which I don't do super often, but sometimes I kind of chronicle it, you know, going backwards. And it just seems like 
the world was preparing me for where I am now, you know, from access to teaching very early and having heroes be sites like websites. I think websites have been my biggest heroes, to be honest. Um, the access to things where I can teach online or where I could use things like uh, Upwork that didn't exist at the time. It was like Elance and, uh, you know, that those were my real heroes. It was um, being able to overcome ageism by being able to work online. That was a big hero. So kind of like the tools and technology were the biggest heroes in this whole journey. Yeah, definitely. I mean, huge enablers. I mean, the things that you can do today, you know, with a small team distributed across the world just weren't physically possible 10 years ago, right? It sounds like a lot of your heroes were people who are like specifically in your life, but did you read any of the, were you also on the Tim Ferriss bandwagon or any of these guys or did that all come later? Um, I've read Tim Ferriss and I was definitely really inspired, uh, but I tried to kind of like stay, I only read business books a bit later on in my life but I tried to kind of stay in my own lane because I kind of felt overwhelmed sometimes with all the information that was coming and mm -hmm. and I, I always felt like there's like a gap when I read these books about where I am now and where I should be according to these books and stuff and like the way like and a lot of the books called for a lot of intangible things you know for you to get over a lot of very intangible things like a lack of confidence or maybe a lack of motivation or uh just just things that were so that i think our lifetime journey that was just kind of summed up maybe in, in a very quick way and it's not that it's amazing you know these books were fantastic but i always just take these books with a grain of salt because i mm -hmm. think sometimes uh the core issue is actually something that, that that that's a personal journey that you need to go on a hundred percent i think people think that books are going to give them the answers but actually what a book does is it shows you the path right so when you read a book what I find really powerful is how am I reacting to what's on this page? You know, if I'm reacting negatively to what an author is saying, then it, that is more interesting in terms of a data point than sometimes what the author is, the words that they're actually using, right? And it helps you work out, you know, what are you uncomfortable with? What do you feel good about? And that's really cool. I think a, a, lot of, a lot of people I meet, you know, they, they found their inspiration um, through sort of uh, men, like not mentors, but leaders in online or, you know, people like uh, Tim Ferriss or Brian Tracy or all these guys. But I like that all your heroes were very local. You know, I think it reminds us that there's a lot of people around us who can teach us a huge amount about what it is that we've got, uh, what we can learn and, and the, those inner journeys that we need to go on. Um, tell me, so, uh, so you, you're at university and you're doing uh, cheeky freelance jobs during your lectures instead of listening to your lecturers and you're starting to build a business. Um, and then you've got your boyfriend is teaching you like online business as possible. And then you start hiring your first um, employees. And then before you know it, you've got enough money, you get your first client and then you're traveling. You're like, okay, I'm going to move to a different part of the world. Um, what, I mean, it sounds like it was all very easy. Um, but what are the obstacles that you faced? You know, you, you said you, you didn't face the, the normal things around, uh, you know, necessarily worrying about failure because you had that in your family and things, but you know, what is it that you struggled with and, and, and how did you overcome those obstacles and how have they helped you build the business that you built today? For sure. So there was kind of a lot of mental health things. That was kind of a big one. So like, uh, like even though most people wouldn't believe it, but you know, depression was something that was, uh, that was very real for me and anxiety, anxiety attacks, a lot of thinking about the future, overthinking, those kind of things um, even led, got me into the hospital when I was in high school. You know, I, I was in the hospital, I think for like over two weeks mm -hmm. uh, on a medical watch because of that stuff. And so kind of overcoming that. And I think that was a big, I think that was a big driver for me to not want to go back to that place, you know, 
to live a life that you know I, I was had enough stimuli that I was excited about that I that I that, you know that just brought me a lot of joy because I was so nervous about going back to that place um, mm. and and so that was really challenging going through university and actually the first year I went to university my parents didn't want me to go all the way to Montreal so I went to a closer school because they wanted to make sure I was still in close proximity because I was dealing with so much mental health issues but then moving to Montreal because I everything was going well um, still brought its share of kind of um, trouble because it was a new city and it was, um, I had to make new friends, there was lack of consistency, so those kind of things. And then when it came to working, you know, working online is amazing and being an entrepreneur and working for something freelance is amazing, but there's so much uncertainty, right? And if you're yeah. an anxious person, and then you put uncertainty into the picture and you're a person who's projecting and always looking for kind of stability before it even happens. It was like kind of a, a hard mix. And so there'd yeah. be times where I have just full on panic. And like, like I remember, like I used to get this feeling and I know it's so specifically, it's like this drop in the heart. Like, it's just like, boom. And it's just like, it's just like, holy geez, did I mess this whole thing up? Like, it's just this, this, this awful feeling. And I would get that like before every client call. And what I used to do, like, I loved doing client calls when I was tired because I didn't, I couldn't overthink it, you know, <laughs> or like, uh, or like, um, I would, before the call, I would like, I'd be sweating, literally sweating. And I would just sit there and like breathe. Like I didn't know much about like meditation per, per se, but I would just breathe in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, just to practice. Um, and so I think there's this idea that like, there's people who are naturally good at things. And I truly believe that like, unless it's like something physical, like you're like a born swimmer because you have super long limbs or something like that, where we all kind of go through the, the same struggle, especially when it comes to putting ourselves out there. Um, in any way that's meaningful and I think like it's important to realize like when you're when something's new it's stressful like it's often stressful when it's new because you just don't know you don't know what you don't know you don't know how it works you don't know what you're missing you don't know uh, what you if you messed up you just don't know and I think that's just so important to acknowledge because like again we read these books we, we listen to the podcast and we're like okay if I do step one step two step three and now I know because I read the book or I listen to the podcast I won't be anxious or I shouldn't feel this because of a guide but like I think the acceptance of being in that space of complete anxiety is what helped me get out of that anxiety. You know, it took a while. It wasn't like, okay, I accept it. Boom. Now it's gone. But it was that continuous acceptance to be like, okay, Danielle, I know you get so nervous on the phone, but you're still going to do it. But what you're going to do before is you're just going to sit there and you're going to breathe and you're going to say you're awesome. And you're going to power stance and you're whatever silly thing that I needed at the time, I'm going to do that. And uh, you're gonna get that drop feeling, but you're gonna take a second and breathe before you react. And you know, it's just, it's gonna come, but what we're gonna do is we're just gonna deal with it. And so I think that those are the challenges, right? The uncertainty and then all the things that come with it. And then I think the hardest is when you feel like you shouldn't feel that way. That's so interesting. There's, um, there's a wonderful story that the uh, org department used to tell at McKinsey and it was about, I'm sure you've heard it's the two brothers um, and they both have a difficult childhood and one becomes a drug addict um, and the other one becomes a successful you know, entrepreneur and they ask the drug addict, you know, why is it that you, you became a drug addict? And he goes, oh, you don't understand. I had a really difficult childhood and it made me realize there was no point doing anything and that everything was a waste of time. And they went to the entrepreneur and they go, why are you, you know, why are you so successful? And he goes, you don't understand. I've had a difficult childhood. So I saw like from a very early age that I need to get out of it. And I learned how to deal with all of the difficult issues that I was facing. And I think what's really lovely about your story is that there are a lot of, I think for a lot of people, entrepreneurship is the first time. If, you, if, you're, if you've not been an entrepreneur before, 
there's so much volatility and like you said you're constantly out of your comfort zone that's part of it so for a lot of people that's the first time they really deal with that kind of anxiety but in some ways what you did is because you had anxiety before you actually use that like by training yourself out of the generalized anxiety that you had and learning the coping mechanisms you did when you got to entrepreneurship you were like oh this is just more of the same i can do this stuff like i've dealt with it right <laughs> yeah that's precisely it i think and i think um like i think what was so important is also seeing like especially when i was hospitalized and all this stuff seeing how like the systems and healthcare systems especially around mm -hmm. mental health can create victims and it's not devalidating any of your, the experiences but i just think if we can take the way that our brain is at that, ex at that moment and see the, the beauty in it, even if it's like, you know, whether I was too sensitive and, and like just everything was affecting me and all this stuff, like um, because of my depression, I took time to myself to think about, okay, what do I want to do? Who do I want to be in the world? Because of my anxiety, you know, I, 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 I like, I think clients felt my energy when I got on the phone because I was like, okay, so what we're going to do is like, you know, like I had no chill, but I think like that was also part of my appeal that people could feel like the rawness of all of, um, of all it should be back of all of my my feelings and stuff and so kind of realizing the way that your brain is isn't necessarily a curse even though it might have its challenges but it does have its beauty as well absolutely and i think learning i think i think maybe the thing that helps is is being confronted with those challenges and learning how to deal with them early on means that you then develop the mechanisms to deal with them later when it when you when you get to an, a client call and suddenly you get that warmth feeling in your chest you're like this isn't the first time i felt with this but if you're a new entrepreneur and it can be very daunting when you're you know i just had it last week i did my well, a few weeks ago i did my first uh online training free online training uh thing and it was like warmth and i was like oh, i'm not used to this feeling i'm used to being good at stuff and it's a horrible feeling um, and it's you know reminding myself to deal with all of those things that's really cool i like that so would you say that 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 has been and are there any other ways that that journey of acceptance um and uh and sort of anxiety has characterized the way you run your business today or the way you think about you know what you get done and definitely i think happiness first and i think we've talked about this we had when we had our little dinner we had a wonderful chat about kind of especially seeing what the dark side can look like in my own mind and what reality I can unfortunately create for myself or fortunately, however you want to look at it, um, that my mental well-being without that, I can't do any good in the world. Like I just, I can't. So like the way that I run my business, like I can freak out over my employee because they didn't finish something or I can take responsibility and be like, okay, this is an opportunity to learn how to delegate better. And I'm no angel, you know, like there's obviously times that I'll slip up and I'll be like, what, what's happening? And, you know, and I'll freak out still to this day. But I think as I continue to run my business to realize like none of that stuff's important. Like, you know, the money things, the client deadline, someone freaking out about something or another, because it's always going to happen. It's just not important. Like it really isn't like I'm going to deliver the highest quality work that I can deliver to you at that moment with, with the energy I have, with everything that I have at that moment. And that's, that's all I can offer. And I think mm -hmm. if every entrepreneur and even including myself in the past went in with that mentality, it just takes off so much pressure. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can't do more than you can do. And mm -hmm. it, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I think, I think, you know, as you were saying before, understanding that at the end of the day, the most important thing is your health, you know, without your, so many people I know sacrifice their health, their mental and their physical health for their business success, but those are, everything is built off the back of that, right? And I think seeing how fragile and how important that is early on makes you, you know, gives you something, you, you, you have a, 
when you're like, do I do more work and feel crap or do I just take a stop now and come back to it fresh tomorrow? You know what the alternative looks like. So you can prioritize better basically between those things. Definitely, definitely. And yeah, so I think that's a, I really want to read that book, a Patagonia book, like let my people go surfing. I haven't mm -hmm. read it, but the premise, I like the premise of it where it's just like, it's, it's, it's about the enjoying the, you know, you, we build these brands, especially lifestyle entrepreneurs. It's like the funniest thing I've ever seen because we build these brands around our freedom. But then I, I wrote an article about this, but then we're so attached to being busy that when we do access freedom, we feel incredibly uncomfortable, you know, and it's okay if we want to work for the sake of working, because I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in this new type of entrepreneurship, this new rich, we actually just are genuine makers. Like we love making, you know, we love the craftsmanship. This is our modern day craftsmanship. And so sometimes we pretend we're doing it for this lifestyle of complete freedom and like travel the world, make a bunch of money. But a lot of us are doing it for the craft. Um, I noticed in myself, like I actually didn't want to launch my own business because I love making the business more than I like the profits that I'll get from the business. And I just think that acknowledgement of intention is really important. As yeah. well. Super interesting. And how does that play in? So there are obviously like a load of important things that you have to do at any one time. You're like, oh, I've got it. The, the, the to-do list is always endless, right? How do you, when you're looking at your your life as well and not just your business but when you're looking at everything that you have to do you go i've got this business stuff that needs to do but i also want to go away and see my family or thing how do you decide do you, do you have a, a way that you think about what's most important or do you just tell me a little bit about that yeah well first off i get a lot of help a lot of help so i really believe in delegation and collaboration I think like, you know, I used to be so scared to present myself to the world because like I was so young working online. I was just really imposter syndrome. When I got over that, I was like, whew, thanks, geez, because I got a chance to collaborate more and get people to help me. And I know my space of genius. And like, uh, also, you know, whether you believe in it or not having ADHD and growing up with that and kind of realizing that I only have this much focus, like, you know, it's very, very limited. But when I, when I can use it, amazing and so everything else i just try and get help with so when i look at my daily to do's and stuff uh the things that just feel strenuous and kind of not natural and those kind of things i try am i okay maybe i might need to hire someone if they, they keep coming up day after day um for example my email just started packing up and uh because i just haven't been working so much the last month i've just been with my parents and doing some other things and uh it started getting really crazy i've like yeah so many emails. I have like 60 LinkedIn messages. I have like all these things coming, you know, to me. And I was like, okay, I think I need help with this at this point. You know, like there's, there's two paths I can follow. There's one where it's like, okay, I've read all the strategies. I can follow a daily me's and put everything down, but also understanding my space of genius and where I excel. It's actually not in, I'm not the most consistent person to do the same thing every day. Like it's just, I've tried that so many times and it's created so much strife inside of me, like this inner like tension because it's just so hard for me. But what I am good at is creative thinking. I'm good at delegation. I'm good at like these high level things. And so when I'm looking at my to-do list, the biggest thing is like, is this something that should be delegated or is this something that, that I could do? Um, super. We're, we're going to do another uh, interview, obviously, after this one, um, which I'm going to post to the masterclass, the Traction Masterclass, just about your delegation thing, because I think that is your superpower. You know, it's something that when we talked in the restaurant, I was like, wow, I need more of this in my life. How do I get more of this stuff in there? Um, but it sounds like in terms of prioritization, then, then the thing that you you kind of just go with your gut. You're like, what is it that I'm excited about and inspires me? And, and I think for a lot of people, the struggle is that the other things don't fall off their to-do list, but something that you're very good at is that if something falls on that list of like, it's important, but doesn't excite me, then it's something that you, you're you very good at finding other people to do for you or, you know, automating in some way or, 
Yeah. And there's times like when I have to do certain things, like small little things, like I've, you know, incorporated my company in a different country and did all the stuff and I have a bit of paperwork and stuff, but like, um, and there's been moments where I have to do like little things like that, but I just try and make sure that doesn't turn to a big thing. And if I'm delaying doing something, there's usually a reason also. Um, and when that happens, I try and find a better process to do it. So for example, I'm hiring a VA um, and I have so many applicants and I've had it sitting there for like a month. And I'm like, just thought to myself, okay, why haven't I moved forward with any of these candidates? And it's because I don't want to book a call with any of them. I just really don't feel like talking to them. Um, I'm sure they're amazing people, but I just, I just, my, my mental capacity to find the time to chat, is just like, it's just really hard for me right now. So what I did is I just WhatsApped them. I said, hey, can you message me on WhatsApp and I'll send you a voice clip? Can you send me one back? And so finding the ways that things work for you. So like when it's hard, it's just, it's not usually the task, but it's a way that you can do it. And yeah. if there's a way that's a bit more naturalized. So whether it's a tool uh, that you can use like WhatsApp or just like a different way to do the task completely. And this is a really good example because I've been bugging you to do an interview for ages and I like written interviews. And this will be one of the first pieces of video. I think this is the first piece of video content ever that will be on Faster Master. But it, it's that thing like, okay, I, it's not the it's not the interview that's causing the block. It's the way we go about it, and how can we find a way that actually resonates with you? I think that's a really cool point. Um, another uh, quick thing: um, Have you thought about using an H an Upwork HR manager to go through your applicants for your um, for your VA? Yeah, well, I have a project manager, so yeah. or a product manager, or an OBM, or she kind of does everything. <laughs> She's like just like the person, and so she goes to candidates for other jobs. But I think the VA is something I have to hire kind of personally, yeah. just on how I feel about them. Sure, sure. We're going to be talking with them so often. So. Yeah, cool. Well, yeah, definitely, especially once you get down to a shortness, right? Um, tell me, um, you mentioned growing up with ADHD, and I think that's really interesting because it's another thing like the anxiety where you're like, wow, I really have to learn how to cope with this. Most people have a sort of ADHD, but it's kind of so sub-level that they just let it control them and they yeah. never take control of it. What are, <clears throat> what are the, some of the techniques and, and what are the, some of the tools that you've used to help you conquer that, that desire to be constantly flitting about all the different things? Yeah, totally. Well, first, like, I always try and give myself time to do that, to explore, to just like, I don't know if you've ever used the app Headspace, and the end of the meditation, they're like, just let your mind wander, do whatever it wants. And so mm -hmm. that is like, even when you're living in flow and meditation, and like you have structure, like to make sure you have time to do that. And also, I think it's the acknowledgement of the that things are secular, like that I don't, it's like, you know, for example, I'll have a, a system that I follow maybe one month, and then next month, it might change because the next month, I'm just in a different space and I'm a different person I've evolved and kind of accepting that things are changing and I think that was the hardest part when I was growing up with ADHD that I did I thought I was supposed to be one way you know because like again in the books and all that stuff I'm reading it's like okay if you do this every day if you track this or if you do this or if you write your journal or if you do and, and I think every every one of those tasks or methods have been great and they've served me in my life but to, to also acknowledge that when it's not serving you for that moment and so I think with growing up with ADHD, it was like really being honest with myself about the way that I, if I look back, there's a way that maybe I want to be. And then the way that I kind of just function in the world mm -hmm. and being more honest about that. So recently, even like, I'll give you an example of this, like this week, there's, I have an opportunity to, um, to kind of move around a bit more in the coming year. And uh, this year I was like, I need to be consistent. I need to stay in one place. Like I'm not going to build a business if I move a lot. And there is validity to that because when you move too much, it's just really hard to, to be focused, right? But I, even though I have this house for a year, I was on six planes last month, you know? 
and like just and I flourished like my business was fine everything was great I was doing really well and so even though around me I'm hearing the narrative okay Danielle you have to, it's important to be consistent it's important to do this it's like but maybe the your reality might be a bit different so I think having ADHD was acknowledging the way that I actually function in the world rather than the way I want to function in the world or think I should. So on like a tactical level, it's building time every day where you can be like, hey, by the way, brain, there will be time. Don't worry, I'm going to go and let you do your whole thing later on. Does that help you then focus on, you know, if you've got to do like an hour of work now, you're like, okay, but there's playtime later and that helps you manage that kind of desire to be all over the place. And then on the long-term basis, it's the, the like, they're giving yourself permission to, to be who you are and to realize that I actually think it's a real skill is to be able to, to not have that sunk cost fallacy where you go, okay, that worked for me for a little while, but now I'm going to move on to something new. Is it, is that, is that what you were saying on those two levels? Yeah. So in the short term, I think it's like, um, I think it's, how would I describe it? It would be in, in a bit like, there is some discipline where I do have to say, yes, uh, Danielle, a little bit later, you can play with these things and, 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 and do that. But also uh, on the short term, acknowledging like maybe there's a morning you wake up and you're just like so tired that you can go back to sleep. Like mm -hmm. to, to, to be easy with it, that it's not always going to be the same every day. Um, but gen for example, generally, I, um, I start working at around nine. But, you know, if I really want to talk to my parents and we have a good conversation, I might work around 11. Mm -hmm. And I generally do four hours of work. And so I think it's more about being present for whatever you decide. So mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter if you have the same schedule every day or you have, but if that's the time you commit to that, I think it's the present. So when I'm with my family, I'm present with them. I'm not checking my phone. I'm not doing, if I'm when I'm with my little niece, I'm like playing 120% with her. And that is a time for that. And I think that's what's really helped because before, especially with ADHD, it's so easy to be everywhere in your mind. But if you can just be present and say, okay, later I'll do this. You know, or late. And even if you haven't time blocked it on your calendar, be like, when my grandma came a few hours earlier and I had planned to do work, I'm like, all right, you're going to be present for her. And then in five hours when she's gone, you're going to try and get an hour of work done. But then that didn't even happen. So I went to the airport. But I was like, okay, you have to go to the airport. Be present for the airport. But when you're at the airport, be present for your work. And it, it, it moved and it shifted. But that presence is what keeps the sanity, I think. Really interesting. So I think, I think what you're saying, what I'm hearing is that there's sort of micro- attention which is like over the course of an hour where your attention is all over the place right then this is sort of like more middle term which is like where do i put this stuff in the day and a lot of people think that consistency means putting stuff in the same place every single day but what you're saying is that consistency is simply being able to be consistently present with whatever it is that you're doing wherever it happens to be in the day exactly and then i think if you have strong intentions some people have strong goals or strong intentions however you want to frame it then your days can be guided by that you know, mm -hmm. so for example, I want to get certain things done because of my own personal intentions. And so I will make sure there's time for my, in my day with that, but it might move around. Mm, so funny. It's so different to my approach to productivity, which is why I love it. And I, I think what I really love about your, um, your approach as well is this real sensitivity, self-knowledge of what it is that brings you joy. And also almost because of the anxiety and because of the ADHD, these sort of kind of really low barriers where like, if it doesn't bring you joy or it's not interesting, you're like, okay, you're, you're quite creative about how you get rid of it, right? And in some ways I think of it like, you know, if you, if you have a thousand dollars and you're like, I need to find a restaurant, you kind of just throw money at the problem and you're not very creative about it. But if you have like $10 and you're like, I need to, or even $5, you're like, I need to find a good meal. Chances are you'll find an amazing meal for $5. You just have to do a little bit more thinking. So what, what you have is these like 
these low barriers or these low tolerances where other people would just grit through it and like grin and bear it and just think I have to get through this. But that what you don't do is you allow you don't allow those to just throw you completely off track. You allow them to make you think, OK, it's not I, I still have to do the same things. The what is still the same. But how can I change the how so that they then resonate with the kind of person I am? Does that sound exactly, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it sounds right. And I think uh, like, yeah, I think that's yeah, I think you covered it. <laughs> oh, cool. I mean, I think I mean, I have a lot to learn from you. I think it's a, I think it's a really beautiful way of, of looking at the world. And I think a lot of the time what we do is is we're very um, and it doesn't work for everyone. I think you've, you've had this sort of natural upbringing. I think for a lot of us, we we structure the day because that's the way that we know we can create that space in our head for those things. So we, we, we approach it from a from a structure on the middle level rather than the micro level. And that helps us create discipline in the micro level. But what you've developed is because you're very good at working on stuff, which na you're naturally easy to then focus on on the micro level. You can be a bit more flexible on the middle level and still get stuff done. So that's very cool. Totally. But I did learn a lot from you as well. And I want to acknowledge that as well, like in terms of how you structure the day. And I think that like when I, um, when, cause one thing I use, like I can't keep everything in my head. So I do have a, a like a list for the week, at least from on Monday of just things that I want to get done. And I have an update in like two weeks. So it's really telling, but my, 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 my project manager, or my OBM, she updates it for me just in case, you know, cause I forget things, but I don't check it very often, but um, I, love I think things you that are... the whole productivity process to someone else. You're like, I'm, I'm too busy being creative. You manage like that stuff. <laughs> but I think things I learned from you is like how um, data and how tracking gives me so much more insight to like, I think it's exactly aligned because basically all the shoulds I think that we get come from a lack of understanding of the, the reality. And I love it in your planner, like what happened versus, you know, what you plan to happen. Like what's the actual versus the, 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 the idea in our heads. And I think we're very aligned in that actually, even though we have different philosophies about how we approach it, I think we're really aligned. It's like, okay, let's, let's, let's get real about what's really going on yeah. and let's take your values and intentions and try and incorporate that into your day as much as possible. hundred percent. I think the self, the beauty of the self-awareness is that how, what you do with them. The reason I created the traction planner is too many planners are very um, dictatorial about how you should set goals and how you should go about stuff and all this kind of thing. And what I wanted to create with it was just clarity in the same way that if you can be present with your emotions and you know how you're feeling, then you have this gap between stimulus and response that you can choose to change in. When you just have the data and you're like, oh, I haven't done this habit for like two weeks, like then you can ask yourself the question, is this the right habit? Am I doing it in the right way? That, but if you don't have that, then you can get like 17 weeks through and you're like, oh yeah, I'm working on becoming more X. And then you've just actually done nothing and you don't have any, um, any accountability. So it creates this like massive clarity and also a lot of accountability. So cool, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Well, yeah, also along with that. So I think, you know, when maybe when people are hearing me speak, it might sound a hundred, like 99% around emotions, but actually I'm super into data. Yeah. Uh, so I used to use this, uh, this dashboard uh, called exist that correlated everything. So I would have my Fitbit and then I have rescue time, which tracks my time on the computer. Then I have tagging of my moods and all this stuff. And I use this data and these, all these clusters to understand the way that I act in the world so that I could build this philosophy. 
so it didn't come out of necessarily like a, I don't know, a spiritual place and just like, oh, I arrived at it, you know, through a drop-in, but, <laughs> but it was really actually similar to, to your planner in terms of looking at what's going on in my life, looking at, you know, what habits I'm following, like all these yeah. kind of things and tracking these things that gave the insight. And I think that's a, that's something that maybe when people are, might be listening, thinking about, okay, great, that sounds awesome, Danielle, but where do I start? And I think whether it's with your planner or with, uh, with, a, with a tool to track or pen and paper to just understand, track your reality and then build philosophies based how you want your, rea your current reality to fit with your values. 100%, yeah. To get, to, to get from A to B, you need a picture of both A and B, right? So, um, so I think that's interesting. And then how you get there is like up to you. Like some people have to, we, I think where, where we differ is the, is the mode of transport we use to get from A to B, but I think having that A and B is, is super critical. Um, so we talked about how, um, so you were, if I just quickly recap, so you, you had, um, so, you, so you had some anxiety and some ADHD when you were a kid and dealing with that was really kind of one of the first things that helped you come to terms with just general anxiety anyway. And in some ways, most people would see it as, you know, I, I've often said to people, if you're an anxious person, entrepreneurship probably isn't for you. But actually what you said is like, being having that general anxiety and the ADHD has given me some of the has given me the superpowers which make me the kind of entrepreneur that I am, right? Which is someone who's quite like able to deal with anxiety when it comes up, and someone who's also really good at delegating because they know that there's no point trying to force themselves to do something they really hate, right? Um, and then you grew up in a family where you were also given that space and that. Um, that permission to try stuff that's really cool and, and could fail and then you were also given that sort of knowledge from you know both I guess the, the time that we've grown up in but also seeing your boyfriend make that money online and being like wow that there's a method that I can bring all this together I don't have to start a studio you know where I'm from and like work I can uh, you can go and do that I think taking action and I think the last thing that's really cool that I think is a superpower of yours is is and I see it in a lot of people who are really good is being able to like fully embrace and accept whatever operating model is working for them, but also be totally open at the same time to the fact that next month or next year, that might not be the right operating model, right? They, the people who I love working with are the people who read a book and they don't just put the book down afterwards. They go, okay, how can I put this stuff into action? Even if it means throwing away something that's worked for them previously, just to test it, right? And those are all things I had coming out of you. Does that sound, does that resonate? Does that sound like you're? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think even right now, I'm going through another one of those paradigm shifts where I'm like, okay, like, what's my next model? We'll see, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think the, I think the openness to that is what's important, right? You cannot teach a person what they think they already know. And when someone's like, oh, I've got the perfect model, they just close their mind entirely to like any changes that come out of it. So um, if you could go back, um, obviously like everything is going great. Your business is great. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll mention the Freelance Travel Network at the end, um, but just briefly, um, it's that awesome platform that you've built and the course, which is helping people go through that same journey you've been through. And they're very practical, like how do I find um, uh, clients? Uh, how do I find freelance clients and travel the world and how do I get over some of these internal and external barriers that come up? But if you could go back and, and give your 18 year old self some advice, is there anything that you would say to them? Anything that you would do differently or, or what should they not listen to? What are some of the things that you hear all the time? You're like, don't listen to that, Danielle. It's terrible advice. I would just say, hey, like, enjoy the ride. I think sometimes we, um, we're looking for this thing that we don't know what it is and I call it sometimes the boom right like so it's like when I get that many clients the boom will come or when I hit this like million dollars I'll get the boom like or when I date the right person the boom comes and and then you hit that and there's no boom and you're like what like I everyone told me there's gonna be a boom like where's the boom and I think like 
my evolution is realizing that everything's always booming all the time. Like it's all the little booms that are going off all the time. And so it's kind of like that looking and seeking and searching when actually right now, as you are 18 year old, Danielle, you have everything that you need. Really nice. As uh, I was on the email just yesterday to a customer service team for one of these online platforms and in the signature of this guy's email, it said, uh, stop pushing so hard on the doorway to happiness. It opens inwards. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm like changing my email signature right now. <laughs> I love a, I love that it. it was a customer support guy because they probably deal with a lot of irate people and these like it was a nice but B I think it, it characterizes exactly what you've said is that we're always pushing, especially as an entrepreneur, you're you're working towards something in the future, you're pushing, pushing, pushing. But actually, like, you know, this to this external boom, but actually the thing that like that you have to realize that all those booms, you know, just happening all the time. Like it, it's the journey, like you say, that's important and it's every day and making time for that. So that's yeah, good advice. I actually still need it. Today, so. <laughs> um, I think we all do. Tell me, tell me quickly what it is that you love about, um, so you're living in Bali. You said you took six flights last month. You've just been visiting. You spent a month with your, your family in, in uh, Canada. Um, you've just come back from a holiday on the Gili Islands. There's a lot to love there, but tell me, is that yeah. what you love about your life right now or are there other things that you really love? Yeah, so um, well, what do I love about this life? I just love that I'm here and living and I have like, such amazing people around me, like an amazing group of friends, an amazing family, and so much opportunity. Um, I've just found this new energy for life recently. This kind of like, I've been, I've delayed my happiness uh, a lot because of some idea that, you know, my business was going to be successful then, and then I can do this thing. Like one of my dreams was to bring my parents on holiday and be able to afford it. I can afford it. I could have afforded it a long time ago, but I had such a scarcity mindset. And so I was like, oh no, I won't do it now. I won't do it now. And then I was like, then, then when? Or like, I actually, I booked a trip on one of my, like my favorite things in the world is canoe tripping. No, actually canoeing. Cool. I love it so much. And so I booked a one month canoe trip uh, with Outward Bound in, in the States uh, for January. Wow. Um, visiting my brother in, in South of Texas. So like just right uh, on Big Bend. So they're going to be climbing, um, whitewater canoeing, and just like taking a brief moment to reflect on this amazing life that we have. And mm -hmm. I think, uh, yeah, I think where I am right now and kind of like, I'm so happy we actually, I always think there's a reason why things don't work out when, when, when it's, even though when you want it to, um, like I'm happy we're talking today versus like even a few months ago, because there's been a, such a huge paradigm shift where I realized that I was seeking. I didn't know I was seeking. I thought I was like feeling content and just um, motivated, just driven, just goal oriented, but I was seeking and seeking causes a lot of pain. Um, it causes a lot of dissatisfaction and a lot of discontentment. And I think what's changed in the last few months is like, I just stopped seeking. And it doesn't mean that you get lazy or you stop trying or you put, don't put effort into things. It doesn't mean you don't live a life of intention and, and deliberate and, and show up, you know, that's a big thing. You got to show up for whatever you're going to do, show up in life. But it just puts a layer of ease mm -hmm. over everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and so that's kind of what I love about my life right now is this layer of ease that I feel with everything. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I think about once a week, I get an email from someone who there's an article on my blog, which is you are enough just as you are. And once a week, I get an email from someone being like, but if I'm enough just as I am, won't I just stop growing? And won't I give up on everything? And won't I... 
And I have this conversation with people over and over again that the idea that, you know, self, like showing up and doing what you love and working to better yourself doesn't always have to come from this place of like anxiety of like running away from, you know, something that you, you hope you won't be or running towards something that you desperately want to be. And the moment you, you release that, uh, that seeking, you have to, you can do all the same things, nothing changes, but the intention changes. The way that you go into that activity is then not so like self-focused, so focused on what's missing with you, but it's more focused on how can I make this great for my parents? It becomes an abundance mindset. You're like, how can I make this great for my parents? How can I make this great for my partner? How can I make this great for the person who I'm meeting right now? Um, and I think that changes a huge amount. So I definitely resonate with that. Oh, that's so awesome. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's all. I'm just really happy that you had that blog post up. I think that's probably impacting people in a really meaningful way. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, it's a, it's a, I mean, for me, it was like, again, I had a very similar experience to you where I was like, oh, nothing has changed. I love, I call them NECA cube moments. I don't know if you know the NECA cube is the wireframe cube. And depending on how you look at it, one face is at the front and the other one. And it's this idea that like, yes, yes. you know this, I call them NECA cube moments because nothing changes. Like the, the picture didn't change, but your entire perspective on reality just like flipped in your head that you think you've been you know what's most changed about yourself in the last 10 years mm, well I feel like yeah 10 years ago I was I guess 15 well that's <laughs> a lot uh I think, yes, this is actually, I think, one of the biggest paradigm shifts recently, uh, realizing I have everything that I need and that, you know, I'm enough. And I think it's been, this year's been a big journey of self-love and kind of realizing that uh, the journey of business is actually a journey of self-love and like that, you know, that seeking and that shoulds and all those things are actually like you not fully loving who you are and accepting who you are. And I wrote a love letter to myself two days ago and I like yeah it's like because I was watching like I love rom-coms and I love like right at the end of the rom-com when like the best friend and the person gets together even though they've been like in love for the whole time and blah blah and they just realize that it's a perfect match and I was like what if I'm the love of my life you know and like and I, this is the end of the rom-com right now where like the other me has been like taking care of me showing up been there any single any time to unconditionally love me I've been my best friend but I just and then then me number one has been like always looking for outside validation and going to the club trying to find other dudes or whatever you know it's like looking always outside and then finally at the end I realized that I'm the love of my life and I'm like oh my gosh sorry I haven't seen this whole time that it's been you so I think <laughs> that's so nice I think I think what people find very addictive about the start of relationships is, is and, and hopefully in a good relationship for much longer than that is this feeling that they like they found someone out there who wants them just as they are right now. You know, like you are all that and you, you know, that person becomes your world and not because of I think later on it can change a little bit, but initially it's like, wow, this person like you this person wants to be with me for who I am today, you know, like everything that I am. And, and I think it's such a a beautiful way of doing it is like writing that love letter to yourself of unconditional love where you're like you know you know i love you for being you and that's it you know so um i'm gonna put i'm gonna put you on the spot oh go ahead sorry finish yeah oh i was just trying to think if there's another paradigm shift that came up um i think like when i started traveling 
And I, yeah, actually it was when I was in Nicaragua, I was in a hostel, like, you know, six person dorm. Uh, and we did a Sunday fun day, drinking all day, hanging out, whatever. But we didn't, we weren't ever like drunk or anything. We just like, you know, when you're passively drinking all day, we're on the beach, we're dancing, we're doing cartwheels. And I just remember this moment, I was like, holy, I can be this happy every day. And it wasn't the alcohol, it really wasn't. I've, I've always been a really bad drinker, so I never really drink much, but like, it was just like this communion and like uh, a little community that I made and freedom, like to be doing cartwheels and people were watching, like all the locals were like, who are these random tourists like doing like cartwheels and like bridges on the beach. But like, it was this freedom be like, and again, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, it ties again into self-love to be like, whoa, I can be unapologetically myself. Mm. And so I think that was a biggest shift um, that happened my first year traveling and being like, whoa, I, being myself gives me so much joy. Maybe I'll try to do it more often. I really love that. I suspect it's going to tie into this. I'm going to put you on the spot as well because um, most people have time to look into this. But the last question I always ask people, and I stole, I stole this question from Tim Ferriss because I think it's a great one, um, is if you had a gigantic billboard and you could put anything on it and, and it, the whole world would see it and it, was, it can be a quote or an idea or a thought, you know, what, what would you put on that billboard that you wanted to put out there to improve the world? just sounds so cliche but it was just like you are amazing <laughs> like just you are amazing like you are amazing like mm -hmm. I just my ethos is that um, when we're thinking about these world issues you know these big issues of global warming and, and hunger and all these big things it's like if you don't have an empowered population if people don't think their impact matters they're gonna buy plastic they're gonna, you know, they're gonna leave the, the, the air conditioning on all day. Um, it's like you have to have the individual realize that everything that they do makes a difference in the collective mm -hmm. before we start talking about any of these other bigger issues. And so, uh, yeah, you are amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, knowing what I know about you and the way that you, you are with your friends and the way that you are in your business, I think yeah. that kind of sums you up, right? You know, I think you always have this huge smile on your face and, you know, you always make people feel amazing when you're with them. And I, I'm sure your employees are the same. They're like, I love working with Danielle because everything's great when I do it. And yeah, so uh, it sounds a lot, it sounds like you. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Um, tell us, um, before we close out, if people are curious and I get to, you know, just keep in touch with you and see what's going on. But if people are curious about um, what you're doing, and we mentioned a little bit the Freelance Travel Network earlier, like where should people go to read more about what you're doing and uh, how you're changing the world and what it is you're working on right now? Of course. So if people are interested in freelancing or just the world of freelancing, thinking about the mindset around it, and I think this is even if you have a job or you know, you're going through some transition, I think the mindset around freelancing is, is a really, really great mindset to kind of just dive into and think about because it deals with uncertainty, deals with change, discomfort, and hyper learning because you're always learning. Uh, so you can go to freelancetravelnetwork.com. So freelancetravelnetwork.com and you'll find my site, you'll learn about my the, the community and the ethos and the, the, the vision I have for the world as the gig economy takes off. And if you want to learn more about design in my studio, you're interested to, you know, maybe you're a designer or you're a service provider and you want to learn kind of how to communicate uh, what you do in a, in a really strong way, I would go to my design website at Studio Moku. So that's S-T-U-D-I-O-M-O-K-U.com. And you'll find a lot about design. 
Very cool. I was just on Freelance Travel Network before this call and I love, I mean, you can see how good you are at design, the whole thing. I'm like, oh man, why does it, everything, everything you do, I'm like, why is mine as good as that? <laughs> uh, your testimonials from your people who've gone through your course and, it, you know, I think it's just so awesome to see people discovering that freedom and also I think so many people, what freelancing gives people is so many people feel like they're stuck in a rut, right? They're stuck in this like they're stuck in a shape that's carved out for them by the people that are around and being able to, you know, like you had on your first travel experience, being able to have your total financial freedom, your physical freedom. It actually is like, it's the first time that a lot of people have been able to like bloom, right? Where they come out and they go somewhere where no one is judging them. No one thinks about them in a certain way and they can just, you know, explore what it means to be who they are. So I think it's really cool, powerful stuff. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your support and I love what you're doing. And I really like I have my traction planner as well. And just like a, and I think the way that you think about the world, you know, whether someone has those exact same opinions, beliefs and, and thoughts. Uh, patterns I think you provide a framework which whether you're you know very very similar to me in your execution or more similar to you it's so handy to have that framework to look back on and and, and then be like okay how do I want to implement this into yeah. my own life so it's thank awesome. you for putting that out there you're very welcome uh, thank you so much Danielle and thank you everyone if you've made it to the end of this video I really appreciate it um and yeah I'll see you in Bali in a month I guess yes all right bye bye